You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. Uh, wearing another classic Indian shirt today. I don't know if anyone remembers these old Goon Squad ones. Uh, after the previous show, I decided to pull another one out of the closet and wear for the show today. We have some things to talk about, uh, tangentially Indians related, if we're being perfectly honest. Uh, let's start off with some old friends. Uh, you may not remember one of these old friends, but it's a rather big name in the news. Kirby Yates, the former all-star closer for the Padres, had an elbow injury, missed most of the 2020 season. He is, is he 34 yet? Uh, 33, will be 34 in March. Undersized guy. Uh, interesting just to follow his trajectory when you just look in general. Uh, drafted out of Kauai High School and by the Boston Red Sox in the 26th round of 2005. Doesn't sign, goes to Yavapai College, plays for four years, doesn't get drafted, signs as an undrafted free agent, goes to Tampa, plays in their minors for six years, uh, gets designated for assignment, and the Indians actually buy him. I don't remember if people remember this. I have a very vivid memory. Uh, I was at Easton Town Center. Uh, I had just seen the movie Creed, and I was just kind of walking around checking out the lights uh, at the time, and I was like, Kirby Yates, let's go check this guy out. Let's see who the Indians added. Uh, They paid, like I said, just paid cash to get him. And at that point in time, I was like, wow, look at that strikeout rate. Walk rate's not terrible. What's going on with his home run rate? And that was, I mean, he was just a, a home run machine those first two years in Tampa, especially that second year in 2015. Now, he didn't stay with the Indians for very, for very long. Uh, about a month and a half, the Indians signed Mike Napoli. They needed a roster spot. Kirby Yates was designated for assignment, and the Yankees bought him. Uh, he would go and pitch 41 innings for the Yankees that year. The long ball was not as big of an issue, but he still was not uh, all that effective. He would bounce around. Uh, 2017, he'd split time between the Angels and the Padres, and he'd start to show some uh, some better production with the Padres in that 2017 year. In 27, 2018, 2019, he was fantastic for them. The big thing, the home run rate did take a significant drop. It fell under one for the first time in his career. Uh, but the walk rate dropped, the strikeouts really improved, and the hit rate dropped. I mean, it was everything you would want to improve improved. Everything that you'd want to, uh, you know, the increases you want to see increase, the decreases decreased, and he became just a different pitcher. Uh, speaking of pitchers the Indians got uh, from the Rays, Hunter Wood signed a minor league deal with the Rangers. He had been with the Indians uh, after they had acquired him. Didn't really appear much last year. And speaking of former Indians, uh, kind of a centerpiece for today's show, I want to talk about uh, Anthony Santander. Now, he could be another player that maybe you don't know, maybe you don't remember him. Uh, He was in the Indians minor league system, and I was getting rave reviews on him at the time. Uh, When he became eligible for the Rule 5 draft, I was, a lot of people were like, he had only been in high A and he was hurt. Who's going to take that risk? And I had him as, I think, the seventh best prospect in their system. And my general view is you protect your top 10 prospects. You don't mess around. Uh, I believe the Indians protected, for instance, J.P. Shuck that year instead of Anthony Santander. Uh, If it wasn't Shuck, it was someone around that level. There's always fluff at the back of a 40-man. 
the Indians gambled and they lost. And Santander has gone on to Baltimore. He got healthy. They Baltimore handled the whole situation with him being hurt. And you know, 2019, he got into 93 games and was about a league average bat. Not like a star or anything like that. But 2020, short season data. We have to be fair. Uh, but man, and he looked like one of the better young outfielders in baseball. And he is 26 years of age. He has four more years of team control. Uh, will become arbit- arbitration eligible at the end of this year. But it's one of those guys, The I always got such positive scouting reports on him. And if we if I were to jump over here and pull up, for instance, his baseball savant data, I uh, just need to pull that. But like even while he his sprint score is terrible, uh, his outs above average are 69. His outfielder jump is 67. Expected batting average, 86. Expected slugging, 84. Barreled, 66. K percentage, 87. Not striking out as much as a lot of other guys. Doesn't walk a lot either. Exit velocity at 45 and hard hit at 38 aren't great. And the 2019 data wasn't as strong as this. But here is this guy who's a switch hitter. Four years of control. Came from the Indians. Uh, is on his way, along with Clint Frazier, to be two of the best outfielders the Indians have produced in the last decade. Both, you know, at least with Frazier, they got value back the other way. And I'm bringing this up because it was reported. Oh, did I close the wrong tab? Might have closed the wrong tab earlier, but it was basically reported earlier today. I want to make sure I credit the reporter uh, that uh, Roch uh, Kubatic, Kubatico of uh, MASN Sports that he's drawn trade interest doesn't mean that he's going anywhere, but teams are inquiring. Uh, he's projected next year in arbitration to make between 1.7 to $3 million right in the Indians. Uh, they can afford him type of deal. And uh, sorry, breaking news. <laughs> of course I'm recording a podcast uh, right in the middle of my recording here. Uh, George Springer to the Blue Jays. We will discuss this in a bit, but Hey, so to get back to Santander, uh, makes a salary the Indians could afford multiple years of team control. The Orioles actually have a lot of depth in their outfield. Um, that might be a bit surprising, but Austin Hayes was a former high pick top prospect for them. DJ Stewart was a first round pick who right now doesn't project to have a spot. Cedric Mullins. Uh, well, Cedric Mullins could be someone else the Indians honestly could consider in a deal. Uh Projects to be closer to a league average bat, but an elite defender in center. So the question, and another switch hitter. So the question essentially becomes, do you trust Mercado? Like Mullins is probably a better defensive outfielder than Mercado. Some people might argue, I know there are people who are big Oscar Mercado fans, but I think Mullins by most metrics is a better defender in center. Mercado has a higher offensive ceiling. Mullins is going to be, you know, he's not, you know, he's a poor man's, Kevin Kiermeyer, let's put it that way. Uh, but he's another guy right now. So right now they do have Stewart projected to start uh, on roster resources. Now roster resources is far from perfect, but uh, they have Mullins to the bench. Of course, in this situation, they have uh, Ryan Munkow set at first base, who actually in most places is projected to be an outfielder for them. Uh, if you're asking about Trey Mancini, I mean, I have a hard time believing the organization would be so callous to trade him after his cancer recovery, but um, you know, not all organizations feel that way. Yes, moment for the burn. 
I, I don't think they're going to be looking to trade Mancini. Uh, he has not had a year to rebound. And I know this makes me sound like a terrible human being, but to show that he can fully come back. I mean, that's things that matter when you're talking about investments and trades. But if they are willing to talk about Santander, and again, you know, Mountcastle is already up there. They've got some other interesting young players and some spots. Uh, Santander, essentially, he's not had a full season yet. That's part of the thing limiting his value. I went over to the handy uh, trade value site, and I was kind of curious to see. They had him only at about a 20.2, which is not super high, and Mullins at a 2.1. So I looked at a few ways to do these deals, um, knowing Baltimore's front office and kind of what they like to look at, knowing the Indians' front office, and just knowing the Indians' system. So, I mean, Santander is almost a direct at a 20.2, Brian Rocoio, uh, 19.3. If you're not familiar with him, he is a shortstop who uh, a lot of people adore. Like he's one of those guys that uh, has some huge fans that view him as a potential star type player. I have never been one of those people. I'm a little lower on him. I also see the Indians as having uh, infield prospects for days. So if you can, and you know, they added more in the Clevenger deal and they added more in the deal for Lindor. So if you can move one of those guys and get a potential starting outfielder for the next four years, I'm all for that. To sweeten the deal and open a 40-man spot, uh, Ernie Clement is the player I included with uh, Rocolio for Santander. That gets the values to about equal. Uh, You get to essentially a 21 for going to uh, Baltimore and a uh, 20.2 coming to the Indians. Again, middle infield type projects as a very easy major league player. If we try to get them to include Mullins, it's just another outfield option. The Indians like their outfield more than everyone else. Um, I don't know if they'd have a huge interest in Mullins, but Jose Fermin stood out as a name. Now, he has twice been Rule 5 eligible, but he's been in the lower minors, so teams haven't jumped on him as a middle infielder. At least Santander was in high A and raking, um, when he was selected for mean has yet to get to high a, but the numbers and all like all the outside advanced data looks really good on him. So there's a, a reason why a team would want to add him, even though he is, he was something that took in the, uh, the rule five, because now they don't have to add him to their 40 man or on, I'm sorry, they don't have to add him to their 25 man roster and keep him up in the big leagues. Uh, I think Santander is an ideal ad. And when you're looking at what teams are doing, you know, look at the, the Padres with Joe Musgrove he's another player. He's two years out from free agency. Uh, you know, people ask me why they do it. Cause uh, Clevenger, Lamette and Snell are all high injury risk guys. Um, good chance. You know, we're not going to see Clevenger next year. I know a lot of people who think Lamette is going to get hurt very near future. And Snell has had some issues with health. So it's just one of those things where they went and added depth and they traded far away or low value prospects and a pitcher who, was getting replaced. Uh, I think the Indians should look at something similar. If they really want to have an attempt to contend next year, spending money would be great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we don't know the promised reinvestment. We don't know what that reinvestment is going to look like as of yet or how much it's going to be. But trading someone like a Brian Rocolio, because you have Gabriel Arias now, you have Owen Miller, you have Andres Jimenez, you have uh, Ahmad Rosario. And I mean, internally in the system, Ty Freeman uh, was a higher rank than Rocolio on most lists. Uh, Aaron Bracco, Braccio, 
is another player that is kind of neck and neck with him uh, in terms of ranks. They just have so much infield depth. And the last two drafts, 2019, their second and third round picks, or maybe it was their third and fourth rounds. Uh, second round was definitely Yordis Valdez, another defense first shortstop. And uh, I want to say Miguel Cairo, uh, but I feel like that's Christian Cairo. Miguel was the dad. Uh, who they signed that year as well as another infield type. And then this past year, uh, drafting Carson Tucker in the first round, high school infielder, uh, Milan Tolentino in the fourth round, and they gave him a significant amount of money as well. So they, they're they loaded for Barrett shortstop. Uh, it's, I, I mean, I haven't sat there and looked team by team, but I would be shocked if there is another team that has more shortstop prospects in the minors than the Cleveland Indians. Let's use them. If you, like I said, Santander is the ideal guy. He's going to make, you know, league minimum this year. He's going to make under 3 million next year. And as a player who was not a big money signing, I mean, maybe he's a guy you can get to sign one of those team friendly extensions that the Indians love. Go make the deal. Like this is a player, bring him back. It makes too much sense. Switch hitter, plug him in right field. Let him be in the middle. The lineup looks significantly better if you move him there. Because down the road, hopefully Daniel Johnson hits and he takes over in center field or Mercado does, or they figure something out. And then Nolan Jones will eventually come up and move into that left field platoon with Jordan Luplo. And Nolan Jones right now, I mean, you hope someday he's going to hit lefties. It is a struggle for him right now. Uh, Everything else looks really good in that profile, at least for me. I know there's some uh, concerns about uh, contact and this and that, but I mean, his walk rates are just elite for a young player and everything else he has. I think it's a star making profile potentially. It's like, you know, get too crazy here, but having him platoon with uh, Jordan Luplo in a corner outfield spot is probably the perfect situation to get him involved in uh, as a young player to maximize his chances for success. So then you have Santander Johnson or Mercado Jones, Luplo. I mean, by midseason, all of a sudden that outfield could be the best that it has looked in a decade, maybe more. Uh, sign me up for that, please. So, Indians, call. You have you've traded away three faces of your franchise in the past year. You have added players to help in the majors and the minors, but you have continued to build depth and you've had extra draft picks thanks to competitive balance. Let's use some of that. Go out and get a player. And Santander is the ideal guy. Go make that call, figure something out. If all it's going to cost is something like Clement Mercolio, I think who doesn't do that one? Almost every blogger slash journalist I know makes that trade tomorrow. So yeah, Anthony Santander, let's let's get that one done. Now is time for a quick break to talk about the fantastic sponsors who keep help keep this show on the air. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season and there are some big matchups this weekend. Playoffs are down to four teams. Uh, so if you want to bet on those games, we are set up to, uh, you know, the two on two heartbreaker for the Browns moving on, but there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust BetOnline.ag. sign up today for your free account at BetOnline.ag. use the promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online, your online sports book experts. Uh, I have gone there and looked at it. I am not someone who knows a ton about gambling. They seem to have everything. I'll put it that way. I was amazed at some of the things you could do. Go check it out for yourself. 
And visit our good friends and exclusive partner at BetOnline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your sign-up bonus. Hashtag BetOnline. Our other fantastic sponsor is RockAuto.com. Uh, what I always tell people about Rock Auto is, much like uh, our first sponsor, uh, I don't know a lot about cars. I don't know a lot about gambling. You'd think that doesn't make me the best people to talk about uh, these sponsors, but it makes me the ideal person because I can understand their sites. I can navigate it. I can figure it out. I was able to go through and look up parts for my car. And when I went to a big box store, I did the shop and compare. And you can see right there, it's always nice to have that back pocket and be able to pull up rockauto.com and see, okay, this they're gouging me on this piece at this store because rockauto.com, it's a family-owned business. Uh, they have one one central location so they can cut down the overhead, pass those savings on to you. And remember that when you go to rockauto.com and that you when you buy a piece or part from them in the how did you hear about us box, right? Locked on, right? Locked on Indians, right? Locked on MLB. But make sure it's some form of locked on to let them know that we sent you there. It's a great tool to have. I think it is a fantastic place to go just to make sure that when you are getting parts and pieces for your car, that you are getting the correct deal and if you're not then you're going to want to go to rockauto.com and to get those pieces there and save yourself all of that money and navigating is so easy there you're already saving yourself time rockauto.com right in the how'd you hear about us locked on in some form and then lastly we want to talk about uh our good friend sully who was actually supposed to be on the show this week uh we had uh, a slight snafu of uh timing this totally my fault but check out locked on mlb with paul francis sullivan please call him sully sully every day on locked on mlb for a unique look at the majors both past and present featuring exciting guest interviews routine check-ins from the locked on mlb network team of local experts and insightful analysis of today's biggest stories locked on mlb is the single best source for daily baseball talk so uh, i promised we'd go back and talk springer so it is official of course i'm recording a podcast uh, so, <laughs> you know, things break. That is the way that this has happened. If you were a fan of the podcast, uh, trying to think what was the big one, I, you know, the, the Kluber deal and the Betts deal both occurred as I was recording. And one of the, the bigger moves this offseason, it was not Lindor, uh, but something else occurred in the middle of my recording. Six years, $150 million for uh, Springer to the Blue Jays. It is interesting that the Mets pulled back on that one, that uh, – he was such an ideal fit. Uh, they still need a center fielder. Jackie Bradley Jr. makes a ton of sense there now. And after getting Lindor, uh, the thought might be that if they are going to re-sign Lindor, they want to have a little bit of money to maybe stay under the luxury tax. And JBJ will be cheaper for the Blue Jays. I mean, they're getting a great player uh, who plays a premium position. Uh, quick math. Uh, it's what? 26 uh 25 million a year it's a lot of money it's not insignificant for springer and you're already looking at a guy who is 31 years of age i mean he's been fantastic paying anyone in their 30s hundreds of millions of dollars makes me nervous uh let's just put it that way uh so this does open up a name i'm sure i'll get asked about randall gerchuk who played a mix of center and right field for the blue jays the past few years he has been, you know, an above average bat, average to below average defender at points. The big problem with anything with the Indians, considering someone like Gerchuk, honestly, is the fact that he is owed likely about 33 million over the next three years. 
technically it's uh, 10.3 million for 2021, 22, and 23. Problem is the salary in the final year can increase by 2 million based on plate appearances in 2021 and 2022, which is likely to occur. So that's why it escalates from 31 to 33 million. Uh, for a team like the Indians, Gertruck is just not someone that they want to would want to go out and spend that type of money for. That at 10 million, I mean, remember Carrasco was too expensive. Gertruck at 10 million a year when he has been, you know, at 2019 he was worth 0.4 WAR. This past year was 0.4 WAR. Now again, not a full season. Uh, 2.3 in 2018 was the last time he had that kind of full valuation. Uh, probably a, a negative asset, if we're being honest. I'd be curious to see uh, who can acquire him and how much cash Toronto has to eat, but I don't see him being someone, uh, after this trade has occurred, who makes a whole lot of sense for the Cleveland Indians, unlike Anthony Santander, who, again, I'm really... <laughs> Come on, Indians, just get it done. Like It would it'd be a, a good PR move, bring a player home, especially if you can immediately sign him to an extension. Uh the fans, I mean, I get more questions about outfielders than anything else online. It's a nice, easy maneuver. It's an easy, well, it's not necessarily an easy maneuver, but it's it's a way you win. You make your team better. You win in the headlines. And especially if you can get that extension signed, you're going to win long-term with Santander. Uh, it, it's just, it's too perfect. If they're really willing to consider it, Go out and do it, please. A little bit of time left in the show. I thought it might be fun. Uh, People had liked this recently. Let's talk about uh, the Indians and the second round. So I've been talking about the top picks for the Indians. Uh, A few shows ago, we did the first round. So let's very quickly talk some top second round picks in Indians history. So it really shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's followed the draft at all to know that Albert Bell is the king of the second round. He came out of LSU at the time, back when he was Joey. Uh, When I first wrote a series way back in the day, before I was even at Scout, uh, to tell you how old that series was, um, because I went from Scout to 24-7. So you're looking at like three gigs ago when I was just back at good old Indians uh, Prospect Insider before it became Indians Baseball Insider. I did a top pick of every round. And I was... Uh, talking about the second round, and I thought I taught. And one of the things I wrote about it is I, I thought that our number two guy, Jason Kipnis, would eventually eclipse Albert Bell because Kipnis had that long term contract. He had such great early years. I mean, he just had kind of a more typical aging curve and aging aging curve, and it just didn't happen for him. And when you get right down to it, uh, Bell wore forty point one. If we want to really get into a Kipnis, twenty one point eight. Uh, that would count last season. So didn't even end up being all that close. Sean Casey, who uh, you know was traded for Dave Burba, is your third guy, taking in 1995, Kipnis, 2009. Uh, Casey was out of University of Richmond, Arizona State, for Kipnis. The fourth might surprise some people. I don't have a ton of memories of Neil Heaton, the left-handed pitcher, with a war of 8.4 out of the University of Miami. Uh, he was one of those guys who, back-end type, who pitched in uh, 382 games. That's it's a large amount of games, but uh, yeah, 39th pick in the draft that year of 1981. Your fourth pick in value is John Farrell in 1984 out of Oklahoma State University. Uh, fifth, or I'm sorry, so 
Heaton was fourth, Farrell's fifth. Your sixth uh, highest war in terms of accumulation is Herbert Perry, 1991, drafted out of the University of Florida at a 5.1. Uh, next up, when you're going to the seventh pick, is another guy who never pitched in Cleveland, uh, Stephen Wright, who was a 2006 second-round pick, had that one really great year. Uh, it's only pitched in 81 games, which is hard to believe that after that great year a few years ago, it was just one year for him in the bigs really essentially that that is almost all of his 3.1 value out of the university of Hawaii. Uh, the eighth highest guy didn't sign. So we'll skip over Jim uh, Umberger to go to Chris Bando, good old catcher out of Arizona state university appearing twice on this list. Uh, 1.7 war second round pick in 1978. And we'll go just two more names on this list just for some fun for people who are following along at home. And because we get another double dip on a university, Kevin Wickander left-handed pitcher 1.5 war for his career second round pick in 1986 out of grand Canyon university. And that's right. Every single one of these is a college player. No high school picks in the second round, uh, have gone on to, uh, to be successful let's put it that way uh but the last player we're going to mention good old andy allenson catcher second round pick 1983 also from the university of richmond so richmond and arizona state uh, indians have had some success in the second round high school players they drafted who made the majors there is one uh mark ballinger 1967 second round pick from thousand oaks high school uh, they've taken a lot of players, especially in recent memory, in the second round. Um, I won't point out who I consider the worst second round pick in franchise history, though I definitely have an opinion on that. But yeah, they have not had the high school guys uh, even get to the big leagues. Uh, there's been one. That's kind of amazing with the number of players they have taken. Uh, second round has definitely been one of those things. It was a snake bitten round for them for a while. Uh, I had a whole podcast on Daryl Whitmore and still consider him. I, if anyone knows him, I would love to have him on the show. His his whole career and life is fascinating to me uh, as he was such a successful two-way athlete uh, at West Virginia. But uh, second round, not the best place for the Indians to find talent. I always find these things fascinating to look at. I know people have told me they like that part of the show. So I thought we'd dive into it a bit. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review. Uh, that helps us out a lot. Of, a lot. Download daily. That's another simple thing you can do to really help us. Uh, currently, the Tigers sit 10th in the Locked On podcast ranking. So come on, let's let's push up. Let's get us past the Tigers, right? That's, uh, that's a good competition. That's always been a rivalry team for the Indians. So download daily. Simple thing you can do to help us pass the uh, Padres. I've been Jeff Ellis. Thank you for listening. You are a fantastic group. I really do appreciate all the support.